in Genesis 25, begin reading at verse 19. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethel, the Syrian of the Pandanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her and said, It be so, why am I thus? And he went and inquired of the Lord, or she went. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Uh, two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger, the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were two twins in her womb, and the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. For a few moments, I want to talk about praying until. I'm sure you've heard the story about the little boy that wrote a letter to God. He sat down and wrote out his Christmas wish list. There were a lot of things he wanted that he felt like God could only give him by answered prayer. And he wrote down and said, Dear God, I've been good for six months. Then he stopped. He erased out the six months and said, Dear God, I have been good for three months. Then he stopped. He erased it out and said, Dear God, I've been good for two weeks. Then he stopped. He looked around and saw a nativity scene over on the mantle of the fireplace. And he walked over and saw Joseph and Mary. And he picked up Mary and came back and wrote, said, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> now, we all chuckle at that this morning. But the truth of the matter is, it's sad to say, but a lot of people view prayer that way. They think we have to bribe a reluctant God to give us things that we desire in prayer. And if this reluctant God does not give us the prayers that we want answered, uh, then we try to bribe him or manipulate him into giving us things that we believe that we want for our own particular lives. Uh, it's a bribe. We do that often in fasting. Uh, we may not voice it, but in reality we do it uh, from the standpoint uh, that we fast and we might skip a few meals. We may uh, skip this or the other and we put our time in prayer and we say, now God, look what I'm doing. I'm sacrificing meals for you. I'm sacrificing this for you. And now because I'm doing this, God, will you be obligated now to answer my prayer and to give me that which I want and what I'm asking for from you? Friends, prayer is not manipulating a reluctant God uh, to give us what we want. It's communicating with a powerful, loving God who will give us exceeding and abundantly above everything we ask or that we think from Him. Martin Luther one time said, prayer is not overcoming coming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. Prayer is not uh, overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. So how do we lay hold of God's willingness? How do we get hold of this God and connect with a God who is very, very generous and willing to share with us the riches that be in Christ Jesus our Lord? How do we get hold of that? Well, I think we can look at our text this morning. Here we find two couples, a couple rather from the Old Testament, two people uh, from the Old Testament uh, that teach us a story and a lesson as to how uh, we should pray. Uh, let me read it from the English Standard Version, uh, verses 19 and 21. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fee, uh, uh, fathered Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethel, uh, the Armenian, uh, the Pandanaram, the sister of Laban, uh, the Armenian, uh, to his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Rebekah was barren. Isaac prayed. She became pregnant. End of the story. It's just that simple. 
But notice something, if you will. Uh, In order for us to lay hold of God's willingness, we must be willing to pray. And we must pray as did Isaac. And we must be persistent uh, within our prayers as well. Too many times we pray one or two times, we give up. And if God has not answered that prayer, we think, well, it must not be the will of the Lord. But we must be persistent in prayer, continue to pray until we have received the answer uh, from the Almighty God. Remember, God is not reluctant. God is willing to do exceeding and abundantly above all we ask or think. Now, if you look here in the Word of God, according to verse 20, Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. But if you look at verse 26, he was 60 years old when his children were born unto him. The first child born of them was twins, but when it came, he was 20 years later uh, after he prayed. He prayed for 20 years that the prayer might be answered. And many times in our life, we may pray for a week, we may we may pray for a month. We may pray for a year. And we think, well, God's not powerful anymore. Uh, God's changed his mind. Uh, God is weak. And the enemy sits on your shoulder and tells you not to pray uh, because it's doing no good. And too many times we don't know the joy of an experience of answered prayer because we give up when we ought to be persistent. If I've learned anything in Pentecost, it's to be persistent. It's to be faithful. It's to continue to hold on to the hand of God until he answers and does that with will bring the most glory and the most honor to his name. Uh, Isaac persisted in prayer until God came through, and that's exactly what we must do today if we're going to lay hold of the willingness of the Almighty God. We've got to persist in prayer. Now, uh, Jesus tells us a story uh, in Luke chapter 18 about the persistent widow who kept bothering an unjust judge uh, for justice against her adversary. And the bottom line, for a while, of this unjust judge, he got tired of hearing that woman. Over and over and over, she kept coming, and she kept complaining, and she kept telling him, this is not right. I need you to, to vindicate me and help. And he got wearied with her. He turned her down, but he wearied of her coming and coming. He said, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continued coming. And then Jesus made this point. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily, speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith upon the earth? If an unjust judge will respond to the persistence of a widow woman, to be treated fairly, how much more will a loving, living, heavenly Father minister to the needs of you and I as his children? If he showed his love to us, if he demonstrated his love to us while we were sinners, how much more freely will he give thanks to his children who love him and ask him in order that he might be glorified uh, in the midst of it all? Uh, The Bible, the question is, uh, do we have faith that is persistent? Do we shake the tree, brothers and sisters, Uh, long enough until the promises of God uh, fall within our lap as well. Jesus said on occasion, uh, one time he said, uh, if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you will knock, it will be open unto you. If you take the first letter of ask, seek, and knock and put together, it means to ask. We have not because we 
ask not. And we often ask, we ask because we're not asking according to the will of God. If you want to lay hold of the promises of God, if you want to lay hold to the willingness of the Almighty God, we must be persistent in prayer. That's not because God is stingy. That's not because God is reluctant. That is not because God is unwilling. That is not because God is weak. Uh, uh, no, uh, it's just that God wants to do more for us than what we're able to ask and what we're able to believe Him for. Let me tell you something. Too many times we go to God in prayer, we want Him to change our circumstances. But it could it be that God wants to take those circumstances to change us? Amen. I think one of the reasons that prayer is delayed is in order that the circumstances we find ourselves in might change us. I'm not prepared this, but here I go. This past week, my wife and I and our granddaughter, three-year-old granddaughter, went to Virginia to be with my mother. Two days in the trip, I lost my charge card. That put us behind a little bit. Two days after that, I fell and broke my arm. Two places, my wrist. On our way home last Sunday night, or I took a little nap Sunday afternoon. I get up at 9 or 8.30 and said, let's go. I fell on my heart, we need to get on the road. So at nine minutes, three minutes after nine at night, we take off down uh, the road. Uh, two hours and three minutes into the trip, a deer happened to jump out in front of us, and there we are, stranded on the side of the road. There wasn't enough guts for that deer to do that again, let me tell you right now. <laughs> Bambi is no more. We're stranded. We're on the side of the road in the middle of the night. We're not far off the interstate. Everybody's popping over what's left of the deer. We're fearful that something's going to, something's going to come and hit us. There's nowhere to go. The car won't move. The back wheels won't turn. The bumper is into the front tire. You, I can't pull it out, especially with one hand. We call the state police. 30 minutes later, they show up. We call the wreck truck. 45 minutes, they show up. They have to put the thing on the flatbed. Our granddaughter wakes up, oh, Papa, you got a new truck. This is great. <laughs> oh, to have the faith of a child. We travel 20-some miles down the road. They dump us off at a Ram dealership. They take the, back, the thing off. Now the back wheels are loosened up now. We can roll a little bit. But the front wheels messed up bad. It's damaged everywhere. I said, okay, we'll camp out here tonight. My little granddaughter, I can't sleep without a bed. I said, you slept all the way down the road. Why can't you sleep now? I told my wife, I said, we can't stay here. There's no way. So there's a hotel down the road about three-tenths of a mile. So we hobble down there in the truck, and we get a room. And you got to understand, my truck is loaded down with tools. Where I went to work on my mom's bathroom and, and, and different things. We had saws and compressor and, 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 and table saws and, and, and air compressors and guns. And I had a, a gun shelf I bought my dad years ago in the back of the truck. I mean, where are the hillbillies coming to town? Tar, tarp and duct tape everywhere you look and bungee cords. <laughs> so I get up that morning at 6.30. I slept two hours. I go to the Ram dealership. They don't open at 7.30. The lady lets me in. She's so kind to us. I mean, she begins to work with me. They have one tire in the whole place that fits my truck. They put it on, but my truck don't work. $3,500 worth of damages so far, and it's still up in Carolina. So we got to get home. You can't rent a taxi. It won't fit in a moped or an Escalade. So we got to try to find a U-Haul. U-Haul's not open on Monday. Penske don't have anything. Enterprise don't have anything. 
So I finally found a U-Haul place that was open. Oh yeah, we can fix you right up. Uh, it'll be $420, no problem. You can put the three, they put the car seat in the baby, it's great. So the dealership hauls me 20 some miles down the road and dumps me out. On to find out, now it's $800 for the U-Haul. And there's no place for the car seat. And they have no other U-Haul nowhere. Now, not only is my wife and granddaughter stuck up here 20 miles away from me, I'm stuck down here from them. How are we going to get together? I can't get back up there. And so at that moment, I stopped and said, God, I'm not going to be a victim here. I'm going to be mature here. What do you have in mind? What can I learn from this? What is it, God, you want to teach me? I felt I was in your will by leaving when I left. I do the same thing all over. You knew that deer was going to jump out in front of me. I didn't. It is what it is. But what are you going to do, God? I can't wait to see what. And I'm honest with you. I just began to praise the Lord. Was I concerned? Absolutely. Was I angry? Yes, because that lady lied to me about the U-Haul. But gratefully, the lady I'm talking to now, she said, thank you for not chewing me out. I said, what did you do? Nothing. You did. But people come and chew me out all the time for mistakes. I said, lady, you did nothing wrong to me. God was given favor. I was able to witness to her and her daughter about Jesus. Everywhere I turned, we were able to witness to somebody about the love of God. I refused to let it make me bitter. I refused to get mad and angry and upset. I said, God, the steps of righteous man is order of the Lord. Even a deer pops out in front of you. So they took the U-Haul I was supposed to have, and they found a one about 10, 15 miles down the road, and they took me down there, and I got a 15-foot U-Haul for the same price they were going to charge me. But the only problem is I think they had a stovepipe on that thing for a muffler because it used $250 worth of gas, $225 to get home. And I have a stovepipe for, for a muffler on that thing. The dealership unloaded my truck and put it in the U-Haul. It was amazing what people did for us. There's good people in this world, church. I called my wife and said, would you see if the hotel does stay over? You're supposed to check out at 10. They said, you can stay till 11. And they said, oh, by the way, if you bring your granddaughter down, we'll give her some milk. That got me. That was what broke me right there. I cried. I couldn't help it. What am I saying? We are often to me now want God to change circumstances, but it could be God uses the circumstances to change us. And God did that. We really weren't bawling and squalling and complaining. We didn't know what we were going to do half the time, but we knew God had it. Trust the Lord, church. If you are praying people, you can trust God in every situation of your life. Because he wants to show himself strong. He wants to show himself mighty. If you and I want to lay hold of the willingness of God, we've got to be persistent in our prayer. And I believe the lay comes many times that God can change us in the midst. Now, you see, when God delays his answer to a prayer, he's given us something more than we bargained for. He wants us to grow in character. He wants us to grow in love. He wants our faith to grow. He wants us to come to a place that no matter where we are, we can help other people and minister to them. They know it can't be us. It's got to be him working through us. And to me, that's the beauty of it all. When God hinders and delays the prayer, it's not that he's keeping something from us, but he might be giving us more than we could ever think. So don't give up on praying. Don't give up on God. For if we keep on praying, we'll get what we ask for and a whole lot more if we're praying according to the will of God. It's the best way to lay hold of God's willingness. It's the best way to lay hold of God's generosity. It's the best way to lay hold of God's heart. Like Isaac, be persistent in prayer even if it takes 20 years. 
Now, here's our problem. We live in an instant society. We have instant coffee, instant potatoes, instant jello, instant this, instant everything. We serve, we, we want, we, 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 went, we are a microwave generation. Yes. We serve a crock pot God. Amen. I don't mean that wrong. Amen. Anything in a crock pot's going to taste better than something out of a microwave. Yeah. Delay is not denial. And the longer the prayer is delayed, the more perfect it will be when it's answered. But we often give up way too early. But like Isaac, we must be persistent in prayer if it takes 20 years or more to receive the answer. Then like Isaac, if we want generous answers to our prayer, pray what God has already promised. Pray what the Word of God already says. Many times I say, God, remember your Word to me. Remember your promise to me, O God. Glorify your name by bringing glory, by answering the prayer that you have uh, given in my heart. Just ask God to keep His Word. That's what Isaac did. Remember, when Isaac was a teenage boy, God told Abraham, his father, to take he and his son to Mount Moriah. And they went to Mount Moriah, and they repaired the broken down altar. And, God, and Abraham whisked up Isaac and laid him upon that altar, and he took a knife back. He was going to kill his son, the long-awaited son. It was not that God wanted the life of Isaac. God wanted the heart of his father Abraham. He was saying, Abraham, do you love me more than you love this gift? Do you love me more than you love my promise fulfilled? And when he took the knife back, ready to kill his own son, God said, put up your sword. I see now that you love me more than the gift that I gave you. And this is what he said to Abraham. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that's on the seashore. Now Isaac, some 20 years later, marries Rebekah. Ha, huh. I remember what God told Daddy up on Mount Moriah. Hey, Rebekah, we're going to have some kids. That's the promise of God. And for 20 years he prayed. For 20 years he persisted. For 20 years he didn't murmur and complain. He trusted God. I have the word. I have the promise. If you and I will stand on the word of God, the God who gave us that word will do more than you ever ask, do more than you ever think, and he'll do it in his time and in his way that will bring him the most glory. But too many times we give up. He was persistent in his prayer. Isaac knew the promise applied to him, and more than 20 years later when he got married, he begins to ask God for children. You see, Isaac is simply asking God to keep his promise, to do something amazing uh, to answer the prayer. Just keep on praying the promises of God. Just keep on asking God to keep his word. Just keep on asking God to fulfill the word that he dropped in your heart, whatever it may be. But someone says, is that not going to limit my prayers? No. Actually, it doesn't. In our own selfish desires, that limits our prayer. It's our own lustful desires that limits our prayers. Then when we pray for what God's already promised, it actually expands our prayers. When we look to the Bible to see what God has said about our situation, He will do more in that answer to prayer than we ever dreamed or we ever imagined. I read some time ago about a family in Queensland, Australia who could barely scrape together enough food to survive on the desolate piece of land they had. They beat the ground, and from the sweat of their brow, 
they try the best they could to survive a living. But what they did not know, that underneath the, the, the ground that they had their farm on was one of the richest gold mines the world ever knew, Mount Morgan. Their potential wealth was beyond measure, but they lived in poverty all because they were ignorant of what they possessed. May I remind you, we have a mountain of gold in the Word of God. It's not just at our fingertips. It's in reach of our eyes and our heart. And this mountain of gold, we can dig into it every day of our life, and we can open up the pages of God's Word and see the promises are yea and amen, and we can pray right from this book. We can pray exactly what God said is ours, and we can pray heaven down, and we can pray hell shut, and we can pray prodigals to come home, and we can pray healing of our body, and we can pray for salvation of souls. There's not one area of our life that the Bible does not talk about, and the promises of God are there. A mountain of gold. Someone once counted 30,000 and promises in the Bible, promises that cover every area of human experience. J. Oswell Sanders, former director of the Overseas Missionary Fellowship in the 50s and 60s, said, there is no conceivable circumstance of life for which there is not an appropriate promise waiting to be claimed. Standing on the promises of God for everything else is sinking sand. Stand on the promise of God, for he will come forth. Don't be ignorant of the wealth you possess in the Bible. Don't be ignorant of the wealth that we possess in the word of the living God. The Bible, open it, discover what God already promised, and start claiming those promises. Start believing God for his word. Open it up and you'll find God will do more in you and through you than you could possibly ever imagine or think in your own life. If you want to lay hold of God's willingness, then be persistent in praying for what God has already promised to you. In other words, keep on praying the promises of God. In other words, keep on saying, God, this is your word fulfilling in my life. God, I stand upon that word today. And then expect God to answer your prayers. I'm afraid that many times as Christians, we don't enjoy or we don't have a joy or experience a joy in prayers that are answered. Because we become before God as though he's a reluctant God rather than a willing God. Come on, let's be honest. I want to ask you a question, the church, in all honesty. Do you and I know our God? Do we really know our God? Many times we have a knowledge about him, but do we have a knowledge of him? I can say this morning, I know Mike Pence. I met him one time, I shook his hand. I got a picture with Mike Pence. You want to pat me on the back? <laughs> I can say, I know Mike Pence. No, I don't have a knowledge about the man. Now, his wife can say, I know the dude. Good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. And that's what it is in Christianity. Many of us, we've met the Lord. We read books about him on how to pray, how to fast, how to, how to do this, how to do the other. We hear sermons about him all the time. But do we know him? All that is secondhand information. The Apostle Paul prayed that I may know him in the power of his uh, resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. A little knowledge of God is of great more value than a whole lot of knowledge about God. And too many people in Christianity, we have a knowledge about him, but do we really know him? 
And the only way we can know him is by blowing the dust off of the pages of God's Word. And every time we turn a page, it's not to learn more about history. It's not to learn more about our Scripture we can memorize. But what do we learn about the God of glory? What do we learn about Jesus Christ the Lord? What do we learn about what he wants to do for us, in us, and through us in this last day? It's imperative that we pray and we talk to God. People say, how do you pray for an hour, my dear Lord above? It's not about me coming giving God a wish list. It's about entering into an intimate relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the very best friend I have in the universe I talk to on a daily basis. If you have a hard time talking to your loved one, there's something wrong. If you don't want to talk to your spouse or to your children, there's something wrong. And many times we end up going to a counselor before we end up going to the Lord. He's my best friend. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. If I go in Florida or on the side of a road on Interstate 77 in Carolina, he's there. If I go to Africa when I feel like I'm by myself over there preaching, I know he's with me. He's my friend, my confidant, my counselor, my king, my Lord, my God. And I want to know him, not just about him. I want to know his heartbeat. I want to know what he wants and what he wants to do. He wants that relationship with us. Now, how many of us as parents, we have kids that kind of push you off? How does that make you feel? Or you want to do so much for your kids and they know. Or they're smarter than you are. Isn't it amazing the older we get how smart our parents are? Let me say that again. Isn't it amazing the older we get how smart our parents are? You know our kids, when they push us away, what what does God feel like when we push him away? You ever think about it? He wants that intimate relationship. And it comes, friends, by praying. Expect God to answer in extraordinary and powerful ways. Look to God to respond in ways you least expect. And I don't care what kind of impossible odds are there. Our God specializes in things thought impossible. Anticipate unusual, unstoppable answers to your prayer request. That's what I'm dying. He experienced an unusual answer to his prayer. He prayed for a child and he got twins. Somebody said, that right there is enough to keep me from praying. No, we pray for God's best. The children struggled together within her. Literally, they crushed each other within her. There was a war going on inside Rebecca's womb, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be strong the other, and the older shall serve the younger. That was an unusual answer to prayer. First of all, Isaac's child was not one, but two. Answer to prayer. God did more than he thought. Secondly, notice if you will, the Bible said the older will serve the younger. That was extremely unusual because it was always the younger that served the older. But God said, no, no, no. It is the older who is going to serve the younger. God's ways are not man's ways. God's wisdom far exceeds the wisdom of mankind. There is no power on earth that can shatter the power of the living God. God has a thousand ways to answer every prayer. Be persistent in prayer. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Hold on to the hand of God. Hold on to the horn of the altar and let's believe the promise of God and say, God, you said it and you will do it for your glory and for my good. Let's don't renege, but let's charge of the very presence of God until heaven comes down and glory fills our soul. God is looking today for a people of prayer. Notice if you will, 
God's ways are not man's. God chose the younger over the older, not because the younger was going to be a better man, not because there was more potential uh, in the one than it was the other, not because of any works that one might do within his or her life. God made the choice, and we just have to believe it. From a human perspective, the older son grew up to be a better man than the uh, younger son. The fact is, the younger son uh, tended to be homebound and a mama's boy. And everything he got, he got through manipulation and deception. Remember that. Even so, God chose him over the older son for his own purpose. And then God can use every one of us the way he chooses to use us. And God can put a calling on us the way he desires to put a calling upon our lives. He doesn't choose us because we're better potential or because of anything we've done or not done. He chooses us sometimes it has the less potential from a human perspective so he can get more glory out of it. You're looking at a man right here this morning that never could stand before a group of people because of my shyness and being backward. Had it not been for drive-through windows in Lakeland, Florida, at McDonald's and where Burger King, I'd have starved death in college because I didn't have, I couldn't go in the cafeteria and eat with my peers. I was that shy. And God called me to preach. <laughs> First mistake you've made, God. When I was a kid, I didn't meet with people. I went up on top of the mountain and prayed. Wasn't even a Christian, but I prayed. I was up there with the chipmunks and the squirrels and the rabbits and the snakes. Now, they stayed away from the snakes. I, I, I didn't want to be around I was too shy. And to make it worse, I had pimples all on my face. I, I mean, I, I, I was a poster boy for a leprosy commercial. I'd count them, 101, 102, 103. It was pathetic. I had no self-esteem. I felt no self-worth. I felt rejected all my life. And you're calling me to preach? From a human perspective, no way. But I'm going to tell you something. There ain't anybody. There's a lot of people that can preach the gospel better than I can, but there ain't anybody can preach a better gospel than I can. And every day of my life I stand here, I'm reminded, look what the Lord has done. When I first got saved to give a testimony, I would stand up, my knees rattling as I hit on the back of the pew, and I would say, I'm giving the devil a black eye just by standing up, and I sat back down. That was my testimony. God takes the foolish things of this world and gets glory out of it. Don't you limit God in your life because of what you are or what you're not or what you have or what you don't have. Don't you dare limit God and say, God can't do anything with me. God can take a donkey and prophesy through him. God can take a stick and open up a red sea if a man has faith in God's ability. God can do anything if you but have faith in the promises of the Almighty God. I've got to hurry. Isaac himself tried to stop the younger from receiving the blessing. Remember what the Bible said here in, in Genesis 27, the old blind Isaac, he tried to bless the son he thought was Esau in direct contradiction to what God said in verse 23, but he ended up blessing Jacob instead. Nothing can stop God from keeping his word. 
In the final analysis, nothing will stop God from keeping his word. We might as well just get on board with God and believe what God wants. Let me tell you something. God wanted the nation of Israel in the promised land in 13, 14 days. It took them 40 years. Why? Because of their unbelief. How many mountains do you and I just keep going around and around and around because of our unbelief, because of our murmuring, because of our complaining, whatever the case may be? Let's just get on board with God and say, Lord, you said it. That settles it. If God spoke it, God will do it. Let's just believe him for it. Trust him to come through, even though it seems impossible. And even though Satan may try to hinder the purpose of God, his purposes are unstoppable. Our God is no hostage to anybody on this earth or in the world to come. So don't be surprised when he keeps his promise and he answers your prayer. Oh, it may take a week or two. It may take a year or two. It may take 20 years. It may take 25 but hold on to God. I was the first one in my family to accept the Lord. I prayed for my dad's salvation, my mother's salvation, my sister's salvation. My two sisters got saved in a kid's crusade. They were smaller. My mom gave her heart to the Lord. Dad kept drinking, smoking, cussing, chewing, spitting, and all the rest. I prayed, oh God, save that man. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I saw in the Word of God where I could claim my household. And I said, God, this is your idea. And I'm just lining up with you. Remember your promise. Save. He kept drinking, spitting, chewing, cursing. But to prove that God would do exceeding and abundantly above what we ask or think, at 18 years old, the very first sermon ever preached in my life, I gave an altar call and three souls came forward. And my dad was the first to walk down the aisle. A change, a transformation, the power of God. And God spoke to my heart that day and said, I will do exceeding and abundantly above all you ever ask or think of me. I would to God that I've always remembered that. I would to God that I've always lived that, but just like you, we fail to do that sometimes because when the mountain is higher than we are, all we see is the mountain. When, Je when Goliath is bigger than we are, all we see is Goliath. But if we'll just keep coming back to the promises of God, yeah. we may be little, but thank God we are great in God. Uh, we don't have to worry about the power of Goliath. <laughs> he has to worry about the power of God that works through us. Are you with me? And that's what we need, to, need to, to, to understand. If you want to lay hold of God's willingness, just pray, expecting God to answer. Just keep on asking God to keep his word. Just ask God to keep on doing unusual and unstoppable ways. I close with this. In Time Magazine, January the 2nd, 1956, the year in which I was born, published these words from an unknown Confederate soldier. And he said, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to hum be humble and obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I'd hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I'm among all men most richly blessed. Yeah, you can be most richly blessed if you would just get on your knees and pray.
just get on your knees and pray. Friend, prayer is not our last resort. It is our first priority.